0: debt and finances are slippery, and they slip through your fingers really fast. It is a challenge to maintain a good credit score. It is a challenge to maintain and stay on top of all of this.
1: Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show.
2: To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.
1: I am Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Leslie Tain founder, and head attorney at Tain Law Group, a law firm headquartered in New York dedicated to debt solutions. Leslie is an award-winning financial attorney and author of Life and Debt. She has over 20 years of experience in consumer and business financial debt solutions, including negotiations with large international banks and credit agencies. Leslie is frequently sought out for her expertise in the media and as a speaker. She regularly provides insight and strategies regarding all areas of debt and credit-related solutions to major publications. In addition to her business accomplishments, Leslie is involved in the local community, and I must say she has been an excellent resource to me when needing advice and guidance on how to assist clients. Hello, everybody. I'm Larry Sprung. I'm here with Leslie Tain from the Tane Law Group. Thanks for joining us today, Leslie.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Leslie, it's great to have you here and to jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the area of debt solutions? I know you're an attorney, so you know, not really a normal path, I guess you would say. How did you come into this direction?
0: So it's certainly an interesting path because my area of practice is super unique. We really only concentrate in consumer and business debt resolution and alternatives to bankruptcy. So that's not necessarily a practice area in which there's a lot of practitioners. So I started out actually as in-house counsel to a national debt company. I learned the business and I learned what the needs were for consumers. And I felt strongly that there was an opportunity for me to pursue a practice that would concentrate simply in this area of helping people resolve debt. So that's what I did, and that was about twenty years ago now. So I've been doing this a long time.
1: Yeah, and you've been very good. I know that I mentioned in the intro that we've utilized you in consultations for our existing clients, and you've been very helpful when needed. Thank you. you know what? Oh, you're welcome. What makes Tane Law Group different than any other debt resolution company?
0: So first, right off the bat, we're a law practice. We are not a debt settlement company. So the practice is designed around helping consumers and understand not only the debt piece of it, but the legal part of it. There's a credit piece of it. There's an accounting piece of it. There's, you know, a number of pieces of the puzzle with debt resolution that impact and impede the legalities. Many people get sued by their creditors. It's more common than not for an account to end up at an attorney's office. So as a law practice, we're capable of handling those. In addition, nothing is outsourced. So there's so many benefits to using a firm like my firm. We don't outsource anything. So we're not a call center. So many times what you see on television are just call centers. They'll outsource that to different right. debt settlement companies. Even within those debt settlement companies, they'll outsource the settlement process. They'll outsource the accounting process. They'll outsource the legal process. Here, everything is done in-house. And we are going to make sure that you and your individual needs are well taken care of. This is not a big box, one size fits all you know, debt resolution process. Each person has a unique set of circumstances. Maybe they're getting divorced. Maybe they're getting married. Maybe they're having children. Maybe they're buying a house. Maybe the debt came from a medical problem. Whatever the issues are, that's something that we work with individually to customize the solution process for them. And you're not going to find that in some big debt settlement company.
1: Is it common for... Legal practices to practice in this area, or are you, you know, very unique in that regard?
0: So, I am unique in that regard. Most practices that say debt settlement or debt resolution are really bankruptcy practices. You know, they say, Oh, we'll work with your creditors, we'll help you, but they're really bankruptcy practices. We do not do any bankruptcy, we don't want any type of influence in terms of you know, okay, so we started you with that settlement. It doesn't work here. Now we'll put you into a bankruptcy and charge you for a bankruptcy. So that's not what we do here at all. So most practices are not set up the way mine is to do this. You need a big infrastructure and time and patience. It's not easy to do. So you don't see many practices doing it. Sometimes you'll see a practice do it as a one-off, You know, they'll help an individual client for something. But honestly, many times I get phone calls from those practitioners asking me, you know, how to help the client that they tried to help. You know, it's tricky. It's not a black and white settlement process. It's not that easy to pick the phone up and negotiate a settlement with creditors. It's extremely time consuming. And there are some nuances that, you know, an experienced practitioner... Should know.
1: So, your goal is, if I'm understanding correctly, and just to kind of recap what you said, your goal is really to bring them and keep them out and away from that bankruptcy process. And then I would imagine if there's no way to keep them out of there and you need to move towards that process, then you're bringing somebody else in to handle that.
0: Yes. If we have a client that it's determined later on for some reason they need to file bankruptcy, we refer that out. Or if the client comes to us, in the early stages, before we begin and even take them in as a client, we will recommend bankruptcy. We refer bankruptcy out all the time. And with that, we get a lot of referrals from bankruptcy attorneys who have clients that either can't file bankruptcy, because remember, there are some rules about filing, sure. or they don't want to file bankruptcy. But a lot of my clients are not even considering bankruptcy, frankly, when they come to me. They have a debt problem. They either, they're making the payments and they're not seeing the balances reduce or their you know it's a big piece of their budget or the balances are very high the interest rates are high believe it or not many of my clients are not in the bankruptcy thought or mindset they're current, they make the payments, but they're just not getting
1: anywhere. Right. You know, listen, debt, as you know, I don't have to tell you, seems to be something that's very easy to get into. We're always marketed to, you know, credit cards and lines of credit and things of that nature. You know, are there some tools out there that people should use or could use to be able to stay out of, not out a debt? necessarily debt because some debt is good if it's used properly. Are there tools that people can use to help them stay away from getting into a bad situation?
0: Sure. And you're right. The society that we live in here in this particular country, because it is different in other countries, our society really is debt-driven. The buy now, pay later thought process. These days, a lot of the, well, I don't have the money, I'll just charge it or I'll finance it. That type of mindset is what can get you into debt. And yes, you're correct. There are debts that are good debt and there are debts that are bad debt. Most people don't start out with the concept that they're going to take on debt and then not be able to pay it. Everybody has good intentions. And the good debt is debt that you can pay and that fits within your budget and that works for you. Like your home, your car, even your student loan is really good debt because it's an investment into your future to help you earn more money. The times that it becomes bad debt is when it's not budgeted for, you didn't understand the terms and all of a sudden it became difficult or there was a life challenge, you lost your job or there was less income, a medical issue or something came up where there was a large amount of bills that needed to be paid. So debt can turn very quickly to bad debt. And you're right. It's very fast to get into debt. It happens super quickly and then it snowballs there are tools that you could use to try to stay out of debt. And a lot of it really has to do with how you understand and think about debt. So you really have to think about your purchases and you have to think about your spending. If you just do it without thinking about it, or you do it without really understanding the purchases that you make, you could end up in debt. So always manage your budget. That's my best tip. Reevaluate that budget on a regular basis Know your bills. So many people come to me; they don't even know how much debt they have, and they don't know when the bills are due, what the interest rates are. In some cases, in some relationships, they don't know who's actually paying the bill or how the bills get paid. Be in the know about your debt. Do not be blindsided and not understand. You should be able to tell me what your mortgage payment or rent payment is, what your car payment is, what the insurance payments are, and when those get paid. You know, and try not to rely on using credit every single day for all expenses. If you're using credit to supplement the cash or that you don't have the cash so you're using it and you're not paying the bill off or making a substantial reduction in that payment, that's a problem. And that's where you're really in debt. So consider setting up auto pays, use cash or your debit card, and understand what money that you have each week to use towards food and gas and other extracurricular expenses.
1: So really, you know, if I'm understanding correctly, it's really just a matter of being disciplined and understanding your financial situation and knowing what you can and can't do or should or should not do.
0: Yep, it takes work. It, frankly, it takes work. It's not natural to most people. Like For me, it's I could do it in my sleep, but it's not really natural for most people to manage it because you're only managing your own and maybe it started out not so complicated, but then it grew a little bit more complicated and you're busy with work and the kids and whatever else is going on in life and you're not paying as much attention to it as you should, my recommendation is to find the time every single week to look at your bills, put them on a, you know, I'm a little old school. I put them actually on a desk calendar in red so I know I can visualize. I know exactly when all the bills are due. I also use a le- you know an electronic form of my bill paying, so I'm getting reminders regularly about the bill, so nothing gets missed. When the reminder pops up in my email, I go to it right away. I don't let it sit because, in my case, I might get a thousand emails <laughs> between all of my email addresses, right. and then all of a sudden that it got buried and I completely forgot about it. So set those reminders and be mindful of your purchases and be aware that it takes work and that it doesn't come naturally for everybody. So you might have to work a little harder at really understanding the process.
1: Right. And the reality is you either work now or you work later. You either put the work in now to stay out of debt or you're going to have to put in the work to clean up or get out of the situation. So either way, there's a level of work involved.
0: Yeah, It's better to try to stay on top of it. And Listen, it's very easy not to stay on top of it because it slips super fast. Debt and finances are slippery and they slip through your fingers really fast. It is a challenge to maintain a good credit score. It is a challenge to maintain and stay on top of all of this. It's hard work. So, you know, I don't discount the challenges that people have with managing budgets and managing their household expenses, especially when there's a limited amount of income or there's a change that squeezes the income situation.
1: Let's talk about that also. You know, people get into debt and You know, then they come to you or they're in a situation where they're able to do it themselves and get themselves out of the debt situation that they were in. You know, do you find that there's a high recidivism rate back into debt? Meaning people who were in debt get out of debt and then, you know, within a short period of time, they end up back in the same situation that they once were.
0: So not through my process. We do not have a high repeat or recidivism rate through my process. We do have clients that come back or sometimes what happens is they didn't give us all of their debts. So we don't require clients to put all of their accounts in the program. So what ends up happening is towards the end of the process, they ended up with a little bit more credit cards or other debts, and then they want us to finish it up for them. So... We don't have a high recidivism rate at all because the process that we run them through really does teach uh, a lot about budget and money management and sticking to and accountability for payments and understanding that, you know, the challenges have consequences. And most people realize that those consequences, once they've experienced them, is not something that they want to do again, So, you know, it's like getting your hand burned. So if you touch the stove, you're going to burn your hand and you're going to realize that next time you need to put a glove on, you need to do something to prevent getting burned. And when you go through a process where you're in debt and you have to come out of that debt process, it is not an easy process. And the challenges make it so that most people don't repeat it. But again, that's my process. I mean, we do see people who come from other programs and have come from these big companies that, you know, they end up getting sued or the debt's perpetuating because they didn't understand how the debt impacted their life and how to make good changes to uh, create cash flow and help them through the process. So, you know, when you look at percentages, 7% of Americans expect to die in debt. I think that's actually a low number. I think that, you know, there's a higher amount of people who end up having debt when they pass away. You know, getting out of debt is super difficult. And mm-hmm. you know, even though 45% of Americans expect to be debt-free in the next five years, I don't know that that's always a realistic expectation based on the fact that I've been doing this 20 years. And we see people of all ages and different groups, socioeconomic statuses, Debt does not discriminate. It doesn't necessarily mean that one group has more or less of it. It happens. It's a matter of how it gets managed.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's a lot of an educational process, and it seems like you take your clients through that educational process to not have them repeat where they've been and hopeful. You know, I've seen personally with clients who've run up credit card debt. Been successful paying it off, cut it up. And then, you know, in, in a year later, they're back in the same situation, just with a different tool that they were able to borrow the money with. And I think you're right. I think it's really a big part of that education process. And that leads me into, you know, this is the Midland money mindset. I think that this has a lot to do with mindset. You know, is there a specific shift in mindset that someone who was in debt who wants to get out and stay out of debt that they need to have, is there a fundamental change there that they need to experience?
0: There actually is. The the mindset is to stop borrowing. Just like you said in the example with clients who've paid off just for a year later to find themselves in debt with a different financial product, it's the borrowing mentality. The first instinct that people have when they have debt is to either try to get refinance their house, a home equity line of credit, personal loan. They go online to look to borrow. The immediate knee-jerk reaction to having debt and not being able to pay bills is to look for another financial product that helps them pay off the bills they have, but then put them into another type of bill-paying process, another debt, essentially. So through the process that my firm created and that that we have here, it's not more borrowing. It's less borrowing. It's a mentality of I'm not going to borrow. I'm going to use from my existing budget to pay off the debts that I have. And then I'm going to use my existing budget to manage the debts that I do have and the expenses that I have. So it's really about changing the mindset and stopping thinking that I have to go borrow money. I, I can't pay this. I can't pay for school, so I'll borrow money. I can't pay my expenses at school, I'll borrow more money. I can't pay my bills, so I will refinance or I'll balance transfer. Or I'll get another, whatever financial product that is available to you. Because as soon as you start putting this into a search engine, what comes up is more debts, more, pr- take a loan, right. take a refinance, take money out of your house, borrow from your 401k, which we really discourage in my practice. We want to try to help clients preserve their assets. Your home is your asset. Your retirement accounts or your assets, why borrow for them to pay unsecured debts when we can work within your current budget to make that go away? And so it's really a different process, a different thought process. And when clients work with me or if they're on their own, they have to understand what is the underlying issue? Why do I have this debt problem? Why do I have $100,000 in credit card debt? What is the problem? And if the problem is because there's not enough income to support the expenses that you have, Then taking on another financial product is just robbing Peter to pay Paul.
1: Agreed. Agreed. You know, it's something that unfortunately we don't want to, as humans, kind of acknowledge sometimes that if you are outspending, you know, there are ways to get rid of the debt. You could pay it off, you could pay it off more quickly. You know, there are very few things you can do. You can either cut expenses or raise income those are your really your major things and you know as painful as cutting expenses are it's sometimes even more difficult to raise our income and speaking about income you know how has the pandemic affected people and their level of debt. Have you seen a huge level of change with regard to debt and inquiries on your end just in the last several months alone?
0: So the pandemic has affected nearly everyone's finances in one way or another. So those who are working less or not working at all have either gone through their savings. So we're seeing a lot of people who've drained down their savings now and they're starting to go to use credit or those who have spoken with some of their creditors and received forbearance or deferment. For payments, that is now starting to come due. So we're starting to see more and more people say to us that I had a deferment or I had a forbearance. I had a period of time where my creditor didn't request payments, but now they're requesting payments. Now, what do I do when you know I'm either not back to work full time or I did have a reduction in my expenses over the last seven months and what am I going to do to pay this? So we are starting to see that a lot. In addition, what we're seeing a lot of now are lawsuits. Because remember, the creditors were on hold too for all those months. They want to be paid. So we're starting to see a tremendous amount of lawsuits pop up. People are calling every day, I've been sued, I've been sued, I've been sued. What do I do? Now's the time to not ignore that. I know that it's stressful. This is a tough time of year always. This fall season, the kids going back to school and there's a lot of expenses and the holidays are coming. They're, they're six weeks away, about two months away. And with that, you know, this is a very stressful time. So the pandemic has created so much stress and the. Reality is, in terms of finances, not everybody's been able to keep up. And even though the creditors have been super helpful, that process is coming to an end and will be completed for most people by the end of the year, with the exception of some mortgage forbearance programs. But with that, people are finding that they've used all their savings to stay afloat. They can't hold off those creditors any longer. So that's what we're starting to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the flexibility that we've seen from the creditors during the pandemic has really not been much in the way of relief. It's just been more or less a way of kicking the can down the road to give people some additional time to possibly resolve it, right?
0: Correct, that's true. It's not a relief program. The only one I have to say, there's a couple, but the one that stands out to me is the federal student loans with the interest-free now pushed through the end of the year, which is a fabulous opportunity not only to pay down your debts at 0% interest, but also if you can't pay you're not accumulating any more debt the debt is staying the same it's you know stationary or stagnant and that is a fabulous opportunity but that's not the case with most creditors even though there have been creditors that have provided relief during this process for debtors you know that places you in a very compromising position with your creditor just so most consumers aren't even aware of that that now you've been red flagged you've told the creditor that you have a problem you've requested assistance that may and probably and likely will impact you in the future so next year when the banks reassess their risk tolerance levels you might see reductions in available credit freezes on lines of credit less programs you know an opportunity for them to get you into a higher interest rate raising of the minimum payments again which we saw after the last issues. And we see often when those things happen. So I'm going to say, be mindful of the fact that when you request those processes and programs that you're in a position that you need to, but in the long run, it's really just a bandaid over a dam. And during the process, really should try to find each and every way to continue making the payments without reducing your emergency funds. So taking all your cash and getting yourself down to zero, you put yourself in a very challenging position because if the credit ends um, and you have no money in the bank, you're going to now be in a really, really challenging position to pay any kind of bill. So it's my recommendation, believe it or not, from a debt attorney to try to use the credit right now and minimize the use of your cash. See what the end result is and try to get back on track budget-wise. Even if you're just making the minimum payments, that's okay. Don't be stressed about that. Make the minimum payments until such time as things in your budget work out that you can increase that.
1: Right. If if somebody goes through your process, if they get into debt and they need to rectify that situation, what type of effect does it have on their credit score, for example, which is a huge tie to the ability for them to continue getting credit either now or in the future? Any effect is there?
0: Believe it or not, most clients have a really positive impact on their credit. And I know that sounds kind of contrary because the process requires you to be behind on your payments in the beginning. So that has a reduction in your credit score when you're behind, but resolving the debt reduces that debt to income ratio. It places your creditors in a position where they're reporting that you don't owe them any more money. So there's zero balances now on your credit report. And most of my clients actually see their credit score go up higher than they have in the past. So we really look at credit as a secondary issue because in order to have good credit, you have to manage debt effectively so you could have a great credit score but you may not get credit because you are overextended you pay your bills and yes that's right. true that you don't miss a payment but that doesn't mean that your credit score is great it might be good somewhere in the 600s but you really want a better credit score where you reduce the amount of debt and reduce your cash outlay so keep in mind that credit is measured in a lot of different ways it's not just about making your payments on time It's utilization. It's history, it's balances. So with us, you know, we manage it really effectively where when we reduce and resolve the accounts, the creditors update the credit reports and the clients actually see these positive increases in the credit score. I'm super excited to report that.
1: That's great. That's great. So let's take a shift from business to community for a minute. I know you're very involved and very passionate about the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. I, during the pandemic, my family and I, we socialized like, uh, I think, six or seven Puppies that are in their program, and it was a lot of fun. Very tough taking them and then giving them back, but you know, a lot of good work there. So it was definitely worth it. You know, what caused you to get involved with that organization?
0: So I've been involved with that organization now over 10 years. I was looking with my daughter for a project for her when she was younger for her bat mitzvah. And we were looking for a charity, not just where she would go and you know spend an hour or two on a weekend, but something that was more impactful. And so somebody introduced us to this concept of raising these puppies. And I was super intrigued and I was given the information about the Guide Dog Foundation. We called them up. We went out there for a uh, meet and greet and an understanding of the programs. And I just fell in love with them. And we started out with a dog back then. And now that particular dog is actually retired. She went into the ATF and she became an accelerant sniffer for the ATF out in Arizona. But with that, over the years now, we have raised, I mean, 70, 80 dogs or more. I mean, we had a breeder that had puppies, two different litters. Uh, We had the litters in our home. We raised breeders, dogs that got released, tons and tons and tons of puppies, because I'm a, I really love the puppies too. So, you know, I'm like, people call me like the puppy fairy Mm -hmm. because I always have so many puppies, but I love them so much. I love the organizations. They really do change people's lives. The gift of one of these animals to somebody who has, who's disabled or has a sight issue really absolutely changes their life. And I am really passionate about what these dogs do for people and the changes that they make. So I'm very involved. I'm now a board member of the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. I continue to be a sponsor and I continue to take in as many dogs as I can. I currently have five dogs. One is a breeder. Uh, Yeah, so I have a lot. I would take more in, but my husband husband and family are like, we're going to need to move to a farm at some point, (laughs) which I'm okay with. I would be okay living on a farm, but that's not really an option here on Long Island. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's a great organization and we have, like I said, we, the biggest question we got was, how do you do this giving the puppies back, knowing you have to give them back? And just like you, it was just knowing that they're going to go help somebody who's in great need, who's going to be tremendous help to them was, you know, enough for us to be able to give them back when the time came.
0: Yeah, people ask me that all the time. How do you give them back? And there are some puppies that I become very attached to, and I get sad, super sad about having to give them back, and I want to keep them. But yep. I can't keep all the dogs that I raise. They don't belong to me. I tell people right. there's always more puppies for me to volunteer and take that need love and need my support. You know, getting them from the nursery to ready to go into a home for their beginning of their training process. And I find it really rewarding, you know, when I can get a puppy to sleep through the night and I can get them to make on command in just a few days and, you know, mm-hmm. and be super affectionate with them so that they can grow and be ready and strong enough to start their training.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So, listen, we're going to wrap it up. This is the last question that we ask all of our guests. What's the one thing that you do each day that brings you joy and puts you in the right mindset for success?
0: So I love what I do. And as you can tell, not only am I passionate about the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs, but I'm super passionate about resolving debt. I love my business. I love my practice. And I am very passionate about the areas of credit and debt and teaching the information and disseminating information that's accurate so people could really get themselves from point A to point B. So I find myself motivated every single day to come to work. I love my job, and so it's a very rewarding process to be able to call somebody up and say, hey, this is your last account, we're done. And it's so much relief. Even in the beginning, people find so much relief just by having a conversation with me that it just absolutely motivates me.
1: That is awesome. And I want to thank you for being a guest today. It's been quite a pleasure. I've been enjoying over the last several months sharing the uh, Experian Twitter chats with you online. You know, oh, thank you for joining us. How do our listeners find you if they're looking for you online?
0: So, there's a couple ways to find me online. If you first, if you put my name in, I'm all over the internet, but you can visit our website at tainlaw.com. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter on our website where we send out the latest financial news and tips to help better manage your money. You can find me personally on Twitter at Leslie H. Tain ESQ and on LinkedIn. And find the Tane Law Group on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tane Law Group, T-A-Y-N-E Law Group. And of course, you can always call us anytime. If you've heard about me on this program, you know, there's no charge ever to speak to me. And I'm happy to answer any questions anytime at 866-890-7337. Thank you for having
1: me. Oh, you're welcome. And we'll have that all in the show notes for everybody. So it'll be there for them to uh, see. And thank you again, Leslie. It's been such a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I want to thank Leslie for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Debt can be a powerful tool if used appropriately. And as we know, it could be a huge detriment if not used appropriately. Leslie and her firm do a great job of getting you on track and in the right mindset to handle your debt going forward. Check out Leslie on all our social media platforms, as well as our website at TainLaw.com. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at MidlandFinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement.